morning. I'm Pastor Nick. Welcome to our Rosewood Church of the Nazarene family. We hope today's message will be a help to you. May God bless you. It's been our joy here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene to see several wonderful ladies called into the ministry in recent years. And one of the most recent ladies to be called into the ministry is Angela Nanquil. She is in seminary preparing to become a full-time pastor. This summer, we were delighted to have her serve as our intern here in our church. She is a part of our congregation, and we're delighted to have Angela bring the message today. Would you welcome Angela Nanquil, please? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Nick. Thank you. Well, good morning, church family. Good morning. I know it's been a while since I've said good morning, church family, but it's nice to be back behind this pulpit. And I am excited to bring the word to you today because it has been about two months, around two months since I have been an intern here at Rosewood. And so today in my message, I want to go back to the basics. And what I mean by that is I want to talk about a simple statement of our Christian faith. And that statement is, Jesus is Lord. We say, it, we say it all the time, actually, in church, and we probably say it in our prayers as well. We say it in our songs. But what does it really mean to say Jesus is Lord? Because the more I thought about it, the more I realized this is, this is a statement with so much depth. Is it just a statement? Is it a commitment? Is it a confession? What does it mean to say Jesus is Lord? And so that's what I want to look at today. And so as we approach his holy word, let us pray and come to his word with humility and ask for him to open our eyes and open our ears to hear what he wants us to hear. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that it is to be able to have your holy word in our hands and available to us at all times, dear God. And Lord, we just approach your word with humility no matter how much research we do, no matter how much study we do, no matter how much language we know in the Hebrew and Greek, there is not enough knowledge that we could ever be able to have in our minds that would fully characterize who you are. And so in our finite wisdom as humans, dear God, we approach your word with humility. Open our eyes, open our hearts, and open our ears to your Holy Spirit, and may we learn more about what it means to say Jesus is Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. All right, well, today I want us to turn to a scripture that is admittedly very difficult to understand because it's been interpreted many ways over time. There's scholarly debates. Is there one meaning? Is there multiple meanings? And if the scripture is interpreted in the wrong way, it has caused some fear in the church. It makes us question God's character. 
It makes us question the state of our salvation. It makes us question if we have to do good works to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so if interpreted the wrong way, it can cause harm for the church. And that's why I want to approach this scripture with humility. And church family, I ask for your grace as I try my best to bring the word to you. But ultimately, I know that the Holy Spirit is moving through me. And so let us turn to this difficult scripture together. And that is... Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23. In this passage, Jesus is just wrapping up his very first sermon, which is called the Sermon on the Mount. And this sermon spans from Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter 7, and we pick up our reading at the end of his sermon. And so after Jesus has given us his commands and his teachings, he says this, and so we pick up our reading in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I, and this is Jesus speaking, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. So you can see that this is a difficult passage here. There seems to be something about declaring Jesus as Lord, something about entering the kingdom of heaven, something about evildoers, something about doing the will of the Father, something about declaring Jesus is Lord when our time comes. And so we need to break this verse. It's only three verses, but we need to break this verse bit by bit so that we can get to the heart of what it means to say Jesus is Lord. Sure. Is that better, church family? All right, thank you, Pastor Nick. All right, so let's get to what Jesus is saying. And let's start with just verse 21, and it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And let's just pause there. The first thing we should grasp is that Jesus calls himself Lord. Now, generally speaking, what is a Lord? A Lord is someone who has complete authority, complete control, complete power over someone or something. And many of you, we don't usually use the word Lord in this time, but many of us have landlords. And so in that sense, we know that a landlord has complete authority and complete control over a property. And what Jesus is saying is that he is Lord. And what's radical about this statement is that Jesus is saying he's not just a Lord here on earth, but he has power and authority in the kingdom of heaven as well. So if Jesus is saying that he is Lord, he has complete authority and control and exercises that both on heaven and on earth. And so my first point is this. To declare Jesus is Lord 
is to declare our Christian faith. Amen. Because other religions will say Jesus was just a prophet. Other philosophies will say Jesus had good teachings and that will bring up good morals in us. And other people will go as far to say that Jesus was a delusional man who had a big ego and said that he was the son of God and he was the son of man. But Jesus declares that he is Lord. And our Lord is not just a prophet. He's not just a man. But he's the one who has complete authority and control on heaven and on earth. And he is not just a man, but he is God. Amen. Amen. And so when we say Jesus is Lord, we are declaring our Christian faith that the Son of Man is also the Son of God. And there's no doubt that Jesus is the Lord because both the Old Testament and the New Testament points to the fact that Jesus is Lord. And we read about it in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 5 and 23. It says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. Before me, every knee will bow. By me, every tongue will swear. And this is the prophet Isaiah speaking. So, there's, Jesus is not here quite yet, but this verse sounds so familiar because we read about it in the New Testament as well. And that's in Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 to 11. And it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what we read is that the Old Testament is hinting towards the coming of Jesus and making it unmistakable that the Lord in the Old Testament who will have every knee bow and every tongue confess is Jesus himself because Jesus is Lord and he has complete, complete reign and rule. And so to say Jesus is Lord is not a neutral statement. It is placing our faith in Christ that the Lord of Lords died and rose again so that we may be saved. And the point, church family, that I want to draw here is that to say Jesus is Lord is a powerful statement. And so may we not just say it as it rolls off the tongue, but may we know that it is the confession of our Christian faith. It is what separates us from other religions that place our Jesus just as a prophet. But is he not our Lord? Amen. Amen. Praise God indeed. Now, as I said earlier, the scripture that we read here is difficult, but what we can all agree quite readily is that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and that is the basis of our salvation. But what is difficult about this passage in the Bible is that it seems to contradict with another passage that we read in Romans. 
And so let me first remind you of Matthew 7, 21. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. But this almost sounds like, almost, it is not, but it almost sounds like a contradiction in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And it says this, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So church family, do you begin to see the, the difficulty of this scripture? But is there a contradiction here? Well, not at all. Because the Roman scripture says that confessing Jesus is Lord means that we will be saved. But what is confession? True confession, not just saying words, but true confession that Jesus is Lord is inseparable from our actions. We can say anything and not follow through with our actions, but to confess it is true that Jesus is Lord, it must be revealed in our actions as well that we have truly made Jesus, is Jesus our Lord. Because if we confess that Jesus is Lord, then we are declaring that we are his, we are submitting to him, we are turning away from our evil ways, and just as a Lord, in the natural sense, has complete authority and control, if Jesus is our Lord, then he has complete control over our lives. Amen. Amen. And when he has complete authority and control in our lives, we do the will of the Father. And so that's what Matthew, the passage in Matthew is saying. You can say Jesus is Lord with your mouths, there must be evidence in our actions as well. Because if we wholeheartedly believe that Jesus is Lord, then we would go on to do the will of the Father. Amen. This commentary by William Barclay sheds more light on the passage of Scripture in Matthew. And it says that though people who are saying, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Those people are just giving Jesus lip service. They say something with their mouths. It's almost like they know, okay, to get into the kingdom of heaven, I have to say that Jesus is Lord. And so they just say it. But they're just giving Jesus lip service because they are not doing the will of the Father. They have not confessed it wholeheartedly that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the one who has authority over us, and that Jesus is the one we obey. And so my second point is this. To declare Jesus is Lord is a commitment to obey him. Luke chapter 6, verse 46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? 
This is Jesus saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the will of the Father? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not commit to obeying me? It's quite illogical, actually, to say Jesus is Lord and then to not change our actions. Think about it this way. If you are working, you probably have a manager. Now, this manager is responsible for creating your work schedule and giving you responsibilities. But it doesn't make sense to say, him or her is my manager, and then not let yourself be managed by them. There is... Do you see the disconnect? How can they be your manager if you're not letting yourself be managed by them? Or if you're playing sports, you can say, this is my coach. But if you're not taking their advice on how to improve your game, then are they really your coach? And so, on a more serious note, it's illogical to say that Jesus is Lord and then not commit to obeying him. Because to say someone is Lord over you is to commit to obeying them. So we see that saying Jesus is Lord is not a neutral statement. And so that's why there's no contradiction between the passage in Romans and the passage in Matthew. Because what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, he's saying that not everyone who works up utterances and says Jesus is Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven because to say Jesus is Lord is one thing but to confess it as the truth and to live wholeheartedly under his lordship that's a completely different thing and those are the ones that enter the kingdom of heaven And so we need to be honest with ourselves. Do we just say that Jesus is Lord with our mouths, but do not do the will of the Father? Do we just say Jesus is Lord because it rolls off the tongue, but the Lord of our hearts is money? Do we say Jesus is Lord because we grew up in church, but the Lord of our hearts is lust? Do we just say Jesus is Lord because we are taking communion, but the Lord of our hearts is pride? Or do we say Jesus is Lord and believe it with all of our being? And we, when we make that confession, it'll be evident in our actions and in our lives. Because when we truly confess that Jesus is Lord, we sacrifice our desires, our wants, our plans for the Father's plan so that we can do His will for not our glory, but His glory. And when Jesus is our Lord, then we don't turn left and right when the storms of life come about, but we look at our Lord in the eyes and we run to Him as He is our safe place. When Jesus is our Lord, we experience healthy and loving relationships because we obey the command to love one another, to love our enemies, and to love our neighbors. Amen. And when Jesus is Lord, 
those in need will know that there is a God in heaven because we commit to obeying, to give to those in need. Amen. And so, church family, when we say Jesus is Lord, we are committing to obey him. But remember this, it is not a drag to obey him. It's not a burden to do the will of the Father. But obeying God is freedom. Amen. Amen. It is freedom from the ways of the world that lead to destruction. It is freedom from a life of sin that causes violence, distress, brokenness, and sin and anxiety. And it is freedom from all these things because God's will is for our good and his glory. And isn't he worthy that we should live a life, a privilege actually, a privilege to be called sons and daughters. Amen. And so, Amen. church family, let us glorify him with our lives Amen. and know that when he asks us to submit our will for his, there is no better option. Amen. So when we confess Jesus is Lord, then we are committing to obeying the will of the Father. And so the question becomes, what is the will of the Father? Well, first and foremost, the will of the Father is that we believe in Jesus as the Son of God. Right. It says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 23 to 24, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. God commands that we believe in his son, Jesus Christ. That we believe that he is Lord and Savior. And upon belief, we receive the Holy Spirit and when you receive the Holy Spirit, oh, the Holy Spirit, we are in union with God. We are one with God who is now living within us. And so that is why, first and foremost, it is the will of the Father to believe in His Son. Because when we believe in the Son, we receive His Spirit. And to do the will of the Father... We need the Spirit. Now that is first, but second, the will of the Father is that we continue to be obedient to His commandments, now with the power of the Spirit living within us. Now sometimes we overcomplicate determining God's will. When we're in a season of discernment, the biggest question is, God, what is your will? I want to do your will. And sometimes we hear God's will through pastoral mentorship. 
Sometimes we hear God's will through community, but more often than not, we hear God's will when we open our Bibles. We hear God's will when Jesus gives us commandments. When Jesus commands us to love our enemies, that is God's will. When Jesus commands us to give to the needy, that is God's will. When Jesus commands us to flee from temptation, that is God's will. When Jesus commands us to forgive, that is the Father's will as well. When Jesus commands us to go and make disciples, that is the will of the Father. And by no means will we ever be perfect. But even when we sin, it is the will of our loving, gracious Father to come to him and ask for forgiveness and repent. And so committing ourselves to obey God is not just a list of rules and check marks, but it's this new life we live in dynamic relationship with the Spirit, spurring us on to do God's will. And so we will never be perfect, but we can always be in alignment with God's will as we read Jesus' commands. And when we sin, we turn back to him. So church family, I have some questions before we move on. And as I ask them, let us personally reflect on them. It's easy for us to point fingers in church and say, they're not committing to obeying God's will, or they haven't done this. But these questions are just for us, and so may we reflect on them with humility. And so, number one, have we confessed that Jesus is Lord and Savior? Perhaps you are here today, and despite how long you have been coming to Rosewood, you continue to place your trust in your good works to earn your salvation. But to confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior is to surrender that and to entrust him with our lives. Or maybe you're here at Rosewood and it's your first time even hearing about Jesus and you've never even considered confessing Jesus is Lord and Savior. And let me tell you that there's no better time than the present to confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior And you won't be confessing that alone. Because even though many of us here have been believing Christians for a long time every day, we have to remind ourselves that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And so if you are going to make that decision today, you are in good company. You have a Rosewood family that is here to walk with you, not just on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m., but throughout the week, through the calls that we share with one another through the Bible studies online, you are in good company. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We are almost out of time. This is Pastor Nick Stavropoulos. If you would like to hear and or watch the whole message, please go to our website, rosewoodchurch.ca.
Our biggest concern is that you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. I encourage you to pray this simple prayer. Lord, forgive me for my sins. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus rose from the grave and is now in heaven, preparing a place for all of us who believe. Today, I receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord. In Christ's name, I pray, amen. If you would like to contact us at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, our phone number is 416-298-9932. Our email is office at rosewoodchurch.ca. This ministry is supported financially by people like you. If you would like to make a donation, you can send your gift by e-transfer to offerings at rosewoodchurch.ca. That's O-F-F-E-R-I-N-G-S at rosewoodchurch.ca. Or you can mail your check to Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, 657 Milner Avenue, Scarborough, Ontario, Thank you for giving to support this preaching and teaching ministry. I'm Pastor Nick, wishing you God's blessings throughout this week. Amen.